We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by a special guest this week and a good friend and somebody I've known for a very long time, it seems, and former Chiefs long snapper, sideline reporter, uh, public speaker. I think, Kendall, you do a little bit of everything. We're talking with Kendall Gammon. Uh, you guys, if you're listening to the show, you probably know Kendall, but man, it's uh, it's always good to see you, my friend. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I try to do a lot of things uh, that way. Nobody knows where I'm actually supposed to be. So it's nice. Uh, you, one, you, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, because you mentioned several, but I'm also the assistant to the president at Pittsburgh State University. And so I got to mention my gorillas, even though I know you have, you're a wildcat, but you've, you've got some mule in you as well. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. It's always fun to, to rib each other back and forth. You let yes. me know what's going on in the MIAA, and I always appreciate that. Um, Force, before we get into this, I'm excited to have this conversation. You and I talk a lot anyway. Um, yeah. To have this kind of the, one of the you know one of the discussions that we have had before, uh, kind of having on a podcast slash YouTube show. Uh, I'm excited about. But before we do that, I do want to thank our sponsor here in Holiday Distillery. If you're listening to this episode and you're in the Kansas City area, or you're going to be in the Kansas City area, and you're looking for a cool spot uh, to go hang out, have an event, whatever you've got, head up. Up to Western Missouri. It's about 40 minutes northwest of Kansas City. And check out Holiday Distillery. Great people up there. They just have their new Ben Holiday bottle and bonded bourbon that came out just a couple months ago that has been flying off the shelves. Uh, great people, great products, and uh, very happy to have them as a sponsor. So go check them out. Tell them that uh, KC Sports Network sent you. Uh, you might notice when you get up there the giant neon uh, for KC Sports Network up in their welcome center. But uh, we appreciate everything from Holiday. Now, Kendall, one of the things I wanted to to start and just talking about because you have such a unique perspective in being around the game in so many different ways. Um, and I just, I know it's a loaded question, but just to right. start, what is some of the, the most important things that you took and that you learned as a player uh, during your, you know, very long uh, NFL career right. that has served you well, you know, in the post, you know, NFL life and business and all the different things that you have going on. 
Yeah, you know what? It's interesting you talk about that because I'm going to speak about it here next week at the Intercontinental for American Pyrotechnics Association uh, uh, meeting. But um, it's really, uh, you know, leadership and creating uh, creating a mindset and being uh, intentional with it. And, And I talk about the fact and I won't go into it all, but, you know, my first four years, I was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 11th round, 291st person taken. So yeah, right away feeling really good about myself, but, um, uh, all the same coach Cower and how he treated me that preseason, um, was tough, but he thickened my skin. And that was the one thing that I learned right away is, is you just, you've got to have that thick skin to get through things because people are going to say things. There's no law against people saying things for the most part. And, and if it doesn't affect you, then you've just got to let it go because uh, otherwise, if you let it noodle up in your brain a little bit, your brain just takes it and runs with it because our brains in general, our minds in general, uh, try to be cautious and they try to protect us and they have to be, that's mm-hmm. what they're made to do. But if it goes too haywire, then all of a sudden um you just get in this this little rut where you're afraid to do anything. You're afraid to say anything. You're afraid you're going to offend people. And, and that's not just the case. But that being said, you've got to understand that people are going to do those things and you just deal with it. Yeah, I it's interesting to hear you say that because we've a lot. So many of our conversations have been about, you know, comparing um, not eras specifically, but just about. Well, back right. in our day, it was just a little bit different. Now, whether the context is social media uh, and just how, you know, everybody's got a phone, everybody's a journalist nowadays, yeah, exactly. uh, that would be different for players back in the day. But then even going back to, and I made this mistake and I want to say it was either Anthony Davis or Danon Hughes. It was one of the, the ambassadors who's around uh, yep. quite a bit. And I remember at training camp years ago and I was working for the chiefs making a comment or I was interviewing him on training camp day about, um, it was like chiefs alumni day and everybody was back. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, Andy Reid runs a tough camp. Like, you know, how would you think you would do in like one of these tough camps? And he looked me dead in the eye. Would be just fine. He looked me dead in the eye and just kind of let me have it a little bit and not disrespectful, but he was just like, you understand we did like two a day, like two a days in like pads. And like, we were hitting all day long and it wasn't like it is now at the NFLPA and everything easy. So like, yes, they're very organized, efficient. There's not a lot of conditioning at the end because the conditioning is during practice because they do a lot right. of reps, they go fast. But as far as being difficult on a body, it's not even close. And so I don't make those comments. I never brought that up again to a yeah. player about training camps. But um, what are some of the differences that you see and how much do you think about the era is just being different. What players nowadays have to deal with um, on the outside, but then also financially, it's a completely different, you know, situation now as well. So there's, there's give and take. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a great point. And, and I look at it playfully. I mean, when people bring it up because they, they don't know any better, the players don't know any better now of what it used to be like. And, you know, I, I don't want to bring the uh, walked uphill both ways in the snow to school story all the time, but it was different. I know even for, uh, for uh, not for, well, Vermeil's another story. We'll get to that one. But with uh, Ditka, who I played for for three years with the Saints, I know at one point in time, we had 14 straight days of two-a-days in pads. I think now you cannot have more than two, uh, two a days in a row, and only one of those can be in pads. So it has changed a lot, and, and, and you know I don't begrudge him and everything because those, those there weren't any rules against it. But I think the one change we've seen now is you mentioned the money, and the guys are getting paid astro- astronomical amounts of money, um, yeah. and that's just a product of time. 
but if that's the case, then you need to take care of those bodies. And in the past, yeah. it was really up to the whim of the head coach or the strength conditioning uh, coordinator, weight coach, of what guys would weigh and how they would work out. There was no science to it. Now there's a science to it and, and the testing. So it's just evolved, just like everything, it evolves and it gets to a higher level. And how it is now is much easier. And I can see where a lot of old school coaches or coaches in general wish they had maybe more contact, more this, more that. And that might be true. They've tried to reach a, a happy medium. And the big thing is they've tried to close all the loopholes so that everybody has the same rules and they have to adhere to them. And I think that's really huge. I would say this, and I would say that um, uh, Coach Vermeil that I played for for five years had a lot to do with this, and he would understand it, which he believed that if you're going to play three hours on Sunday, you ought to practice three hours and get used to it. And it's just not the same. And we used to talk about Vermeil years being – and they, it was – Vermeil years, dog years, it's the same kind of thing. And uh, it, it is what it is. So it has definitely changed quite a bit. Um, but it, it's the rules that are there. Uh, you would hear by them. And and the game has changed. There's no doubt about it. And, and the last thing I would say, BJ, was we talked about the money. Um, you know, the guys that play my position now get paid so much more than I did. And I mm -hmm. see other players and they get mad about that. I'm like, that's that's how it's been. I mean, when I was playing, I was getting more I was getting paid more than the guys that played 10 years before me. It's just a function of time. And so I think you just have to deal with it and understand that that's always going to continue to keep rising. And there's no reason to get bitter about things that you simply cannot change, in my opinion. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because it just brings up the stories of hearing about the guys, you know, back in the day when the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl and guys had, you know, offseason jobs and they were doing different yes. things. They they weren't going to have a lot of, you know, sympathy for um, guys that didn't have no. to have, you know, second jobs. And now it's like, you know, these players, kids don't necessarily have to have jobs by the time they yeah, get older. You're right. Kind of it's, it's generational. Money. It's generational money if you handle it the right way for the stars. Yeah. Now, for for the other guys they've got to work. I mean, I had to work. I, I played 15 years, which, you know, less than 80 people have played that uh, long in the NFL out of about 25,000 that have come through the NFL. So I beat the odds, but I still had to work. Plus when I got out of the league at age 37, almost 38, I was now 15 years behind. So I had to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And as I always say, you know, it was the best temporary job I could ever have. I was just renting that seat. And then eventually uh, the shield wins out. Father time never loses and they just keep going. Yeah. All right. Kendall, right now we're going to take a quick word. Uh, Tucker has got a quick word from DraftKings for us right now. We'll be right back. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And that's right, we're talking touchdowns, we're talking big plays, and even bigger payout wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Listen, if that's not enough, DraftKings got you covered. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. That's right. I paused a little bit because I had to make sure that was true. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With bigger payouts than ever, why would you bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. That's right. 
all season long. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to DraftKings Sportsbook and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now, use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for more details. Now, let's get back to the show. Kendra, I don't know how much you get into the gambling, but we, we've joked about this before because it seems like you get on social media right now just with you know gambling being illegal in Kansas that it's absolutely everywhere. Obviously, we're Team DraftKings uh, here at KC Sports Network. I know uh, you've got uh, different companies that you work with, but yep. how much in, in that regard have you seen the kind of game change over time? And I, I keep asking you these questions just because you know, you've got such a unique perspective and playing for so long and then right. with the Chiefs Radio Network for so long and being around it and understanding what's going on. And even now, you still have a pulse on what's going on out there how do you see kind of the sports gambling specifically around kansas city just kind of changing things both from a player coach just way that the game is talked about uh and the content that's created for it but then also just from a fan perspective of you can't get on social media right now and just not get inundated uh with all this stuff no, which uh, that to your last point, that just shows you how valuable getting somebody on a certain platform is, is and is, as you said, DraftKings is, is a platform that you guys deal with a lot and is obviously a great platform. You know, it, it's interesting because I look back at my career, we were not allowed to play any uh, golf tournaments or things like that if they were associated with a casino. Uh, we couldn't accept a free room or anything like that. I would say as, as, as short as maybe five or six years ago, the NFL made, or maybe a little bit more than that, made the comment that there will never be a football team in Las Vegas. Uh, we know <laughs> what's going on there with that. Um, they were very concerned about the betting side of things uh, and the players, and they, and they had right to be. There's no doubt about that one. Uh, but it, it's interesting now that it's all been embraced. And then for those who don't know, I mean, the – the injury report has been done and has always been done for one reason, and that's for the betting side of things. Um, so don't kid yourself there. The NFL understood it, and I'm not getting on the NFL uh, for that, but there's been some mixed messages, and that happens in any industry. But I do think it's fun. Uh, I, I think when done the right way and, and it's not done out of control and everything, it's fun to put 5 or $10 on a game or even more if, if, if you can afford that and it works that way. It's great to win, never fun to lose. Uh, it's interesting how close these odds makers get to things and how it comes down to the, the last person with the ball and, and, and things of that nature. But I think it's a good thing overall. Um, it's been a mixed message for several years, but uh, now I think we're seeing it go mainstream. Yeah. I remember when I was at the Chiefs, they used to, we had so many different like, um, you know, tutorials and different things that we had to sign and videos we had to watch about like, you can't go in a sports book. Like you're an NFL yeah. employee for a team. Like you can't get near a sports book. And now right. it just seems completely, how are Vegas employees? Yeah. The first thing I thought yeah. about when they took the teams, I'm like, yeah. how are they going to live there? The the full-time staffers, the few hundred people that work for the right. organization, going to completely avoid every sports book. Um, in Vegas. So obviously the, those things are going to change a little bit, but yeah, I think you bring up a great point in that, you know, we've had comments and people before talking about, you know, people have different, you know, opinions on sports gambling, uh, which everybody has, you know, a right to, you know, how they feel about it. They have different perspectives and things like right. that. But to your point, there is nothing more accurate out there. There's no more emphasis put on being correct with a projection than the lines for a game. This is yeah. not, you know, 
Skip Bayless and, you know, <laughs> Shannon Sharp just kind of prognosticating different things. And you don't know if they're trying to disagree just for the sake of disagreeing to try to make a point or, you know, right now it seems like, and we've talked about this a lot on the network, there's a lot of people and a lot of platforms out there that will intentionally bait chiefs fans with content regarding Patrick Mahomes being the eighth best player. And I know there's more to that, but things like that, that they know will cause engagement on social media, which is what they're looking for. And so like you bait people like that and we give them that engagement. And so like that part of it has always been, um, you know, lately a struggle to kind of deal with because you want to create content, you want to do those things. Right. But it just, it, it's almost disingenuous at this point and that the spirit behind why you're doing it isn't necessarily why you're doing it. And Chiefs fans kind of buy into that stuff um, more than other fan bases. And we say like, don't interact with bad tweets, screenshot them, don't retweet them and don't do all of those things. Um, But yeah, the lines are the most accurate version because there's so much money involved. Like talking millions, billions of dollars of those lines having to be correct. So it's not just somebody's opinion. It's not fishing for engagement. It is, this has to be right. Or casino could lose a lot of money. They could. And it is an exact science. It's done. It's a business. It's treated as such. Obviously, uh, these casinos do not build themselves. They, uh, they, they, uh, I mean, losers or winners don't build the casinos. The losers do. And that, that that's part of it. And quite honestly, they just assume it, you know, we, we all know it. They just assume it half the money be on one side and half the other. So they, they don't have to pay out and they just take, you know, they take that 10% or whatever it is. And that's a, that's a pretty good uh, income when you've got millions, if not quite honestly, billions uh, bet on certain things. So it is what it is. I mean, I, I think it's fun. You know, I had like the last game a uh, Thursday night game. I had a little bit of money on Jody Fortson catch, catching a touchdown pass. I thought that was a, a decent bet. He got one pass in, in the goal and in, in the red zone if the ball had been put up a little bit more, it was a nice matchup. It didn't happen. Now I had enough. I had a little enough money on it that I could just laugh and said, "Well, there was my chance. I almost got it, but I didn't." But you know, it's those kind of things, and uh, that's just another reason that the NFL is so popular. I think the other thing too that's been going on, betting's always been going on. Everybody's got a guy. But the other thing too, with the rise of fantasy football that brought a whole new light to the NFL and the fantasy football overtook trading cards and a lot of different things as the number one revenue source uh, for the NFL PA and what was going on. And it was just enormous and is only going to continue to grow. And it just, you're adding different, uh, you're just adding different tabs to the game that you can, or pages of the game that you can turn and different ways that you can look at the game. And that's why quite honestly, it's so important, uh, for the teams to create a good game day experience because they're not, they're coming there, but they they don't, they're not going to just pay attention to their team. They need to pay attention to the whole NFL, which is what they want. And therefore you've got to have great, uh, you've got to have great Wi-Fi coverage and things of that nature. And you've got to define it because quite honestly, in this day and age with the technology also, you've got this high def TV, which is like looking through a window and you don't have to fight traffic and yada, yada, yada. So there's, there's some definite challenges for the live game. Yeah, it, it's interesting to bring that up. And this is probably the, the nerdy stuff. I don't know how many people care about this, but it's kind of like peeling the, you know, looking behind the curtain of how things work. And I think in in my path to joining the Chiefs and working there for the six years I was there, uh, the things that I found most fascinating um, weren't necessarily like the juicy gossip type things. It was just the right. processes. It was how much went into everything and how many people are involved. You talk about game day, um, game day entertainment. 
you know, for, you know, Brad Young and Anna Tobkin and Kristen Pugh and that whole yeah. crew behind the scenes and then a ton of freelancers and the rest of 65 TPT, Rob Alberino overseeing all of it now. They do Steph Judah down there with the cheerleaders yep. are under like understanding the breaks and the, the aerovision and that it's this huge production. And I think a lot of people would be really surprised about how much work it really takes to do and put that entire like control room. You walk in there on a game day, people are running. I know you've been in there. You people run. It's mission crazy. control. It, it's NASA. It's, it's yeah, mission it's, control. And when they do like the flyovers to yeah. coordinate oh, when the plane yes. is flying over and communicating yeah. and Kristen, like on the phone with them and making sure the timing and the weather and the visibility, like mm -hmm. there is so much to it that it's really like a beautiful, like it's a beautiful dance to be back it there is. to, you know, uh, to, you know, quote Andy Reid, the way he talks about O-line, D-line, but it's really cool to see how it all goes behind the scenes. And you bring up the point about technology and social media now. You know, the one of the things that we always ran into as far as just creating processes between the game day experience for the fans, the broadcast, talk, mm -hmm. you know, putting the game out to millions of people, right. and then social media, even on things like injury updates, like a player is questionable to return. The process in which who gets that information first yep takes like a hundred meetings of people that get paid a whole lot more it money than amazing. we did of like, how are you going to do this? Are we going to give it to the broadcast first? And it was like, no, it needs to go in stadium first. Okay. How are we yeah. going to broadcast it in stadium? So at Arrowhead, it's on that ribbon. It's on the yeah, little right. um, ribbon that goes all the way around the stadium. Ribbon That's board. where the injuries mm -hmm. update's going to go. And as soon as they see it there, they give it to the broadcast and then they give it to chief social, which always comes from the main account first, but it's PR coming down. They get, you can hear the phone ring. I know you every time like the phone rings, you know, somebody's hurt. And then you just look down there to gauge the reaction of Ted or Brad, whoever answers the phone to see like, how bad was that injury? Are they out? Are they questionable? What's going on? Um, and they I have like, imagine. the bat line to do that. It's, it's crazy. It's all of the processes, all the different things that go into place and all the different factors that people have to bring in and variables. Yeah. I can't imagine doing the run of show. Um, you know, every company has an org chart um, and goes on down. Uh, but there's, I assume there's an org chart, an org chart, as you mentioned, for information and how it filters down also. And that's such a huge deal for so many different reasons, quite honestly. Hey, sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I've got to tell you about our friends at Liquid Death. You may start noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local store. Well, fear not, it's not actually beer. It really is mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Uh, no, Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death, you're asking me? Uh, well, it's because it'll brutally murder your thirst. That's what it says here on my sheet. And their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. Something that you just absolutely love to see. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Love to see that as well. So this is what you got to do. You got to go to Liquid Death and find it at your local Woodman's 7-Eleven Roundies or Hy-Vee. I go to the Hy-Vee gas by my house here. I see it everywhere. Good stuff. It's in sparkling water. It's in just regular water. You can find it anywhere. At, at Hy-Vee specifically is, is where I get it. Or you can go to Liquid Death and find a retailer uh, using their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. Yeah, Kendall, now I want to 
switch gears here a little bit and just talk about the current team. You and I talk about yeah. it every week. We do the the pregame stuff um, that you host with 101 The Fox uh, that we join our guy Sparks. And I go on a couple times a week with Slacker and Marlia Campbell uh, joins us as well. And they have Steve Gorman. They have a bunch of different guests. Uh, it's a lot of fun yeah. to do that. Uh, so we get a chance to, to share our thoughts and opinions on the Chiefs each week. Um, but for the team right now, um, that game Thursday night, you and I talked about it. We talked a lot about Orlando Brown and the opportunity that he had. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know if it moved the needle a whole lot one way or another. I think that both both sides of the Orlando Brown, Cleo Mack, Joey Bosa can feel like they, they did their best. But just big picture, um, how do you feel about this team two weeks in compared to what you thought maybe at the beginning of training camp uh, when they were just getting going? You know what? I think they're as advertised. They're certainly one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NFL. Uh, I think it's really refreshing. Not that it's not refreshing hearing from from Coach Reed, but uh, Steve Spagnuolo, he gives you some pretty well thought out answers and quite honestly, more information than a lot of coaches will give. And the one that he talked about was with the defense being young, which I think he is certainly okay with saying that's not his favorite thing. And I, I can understand that, but in his hopes that the the athleticism and the speed of the team would overcome the mistakes and the uh, baptism by fire. And I think we're seeing that a little bit, which is a team that is quick, uh, that runs to the ball well. Certainly this week is going to be an issue with Willie Gay being out, but you know somebody will step in. And that's the other thing, too, I, I think is just – how the how the Chiefs conduct themselves and and it's always the next man up, but they they really seem to do it well and that's just to me that's the the mark of a, a well coached team at really every level. Kid, I've probably said this on every podcast we've had, almost or at least all the ones that I've been on. That you know, with everything that the AFC West teams did with what the Broncos did bringing in Russell Wilson and signing. Um, you know, Randy Gregory and then the Raiders obviously trading for Devontae Adams and then signing mm-hmm. uh, Chandler Jones. And then obviously the Chargers, J.C. Jackson and trading for Cleo Mack. Everybody went all in and it was to to try to go after the team that had won the division for six straight years. Right. And it was historic and almost unprecedented in the way that one division particularly loaded up. Now, every team's going to try to do their best to, to do what they can. And they know the Chiefs are the best team in the division. They're going to do right. everything they can to improve their team. Uh, but the fact that it all happened, it seemingly in like a week or just like, what the hell is mm-hmm. happening? Is this collusion that the entire NFL is just like, you know what? We're not going to let the Chiefs win the division anymore. We're coming after them that I have said that when the Chiefs win the division again, I'm going to be insufferable. And Kendall, you know me pretty well. I'm pretty low key. But knowing what the AFC West did and how much they loaded up and came after us um, still to still go out there and to win, uh, it's going to be the ultimate um you know, it's what Twitter was made for. We'll just say that. Right. Chiefs, there are a lot of takes. There's a lot of receipts out there uh, right. from what people have been saying uh, right. to, to go and respond to. And there's a lot of great content creators. I'm sure 65 TPT has a folder of all of the uh, anti-Chiefs takes just sitting there waiting for all the hype videos for the preseason or for the postseason. Um, but as we see here today, that game on Thursday. Uh, I'm interested to get your takes. We haven't done our pregame stuff for one-on-one yet. Right. So curious what your thoughts were, because during the game it was frustrated. The offense wasn't getting going. Thought Patrick Mahomes got away with some stuff um, that he, it wouldn't have been surprising for those 
you know, a couple of those plays that turn out more negative than they were just throwing late across the middle and he's getting hit some things that just not yeah. good play. Uh, but the fact that the chief didn't play particularly well, uh, and a lot of that had to do with the chargers being pretty good at what they do, but mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't play well and the chargers still couldn't come out with a victory when everything kind of seemingly fell the way they needed to for the chargers to have a path to win in Kansas city. The fact that it still didn't happen, it's got to be a tough pill to swallow for them. It definitely is because in their mind, and I, I, I've been there on those teams before, in their mind, they're like, okay, if it wasn't for that, you know, that interception, that pick six, we, we had them and, you know, we got a bad call here or there. When you have two great teams playing that are playoff teams, um, I always say it comes down to six or seven plays in a game, even if it's a bad team that you're playing. But there it came down to just a couple plays being made by one team or the other. I've heard a lot of people say, well, if you didn't have that pick six, well, that's right. But also on the other side of it, if you didn't have that long bomb for the touchdown or if you didn't have the long run, you can always say if you didn't have this play. But the fact is you did have those plays and those plays were made. And um, it's uh, it's really a testament to just the fortitude of the Chiefs and not giving up defensively down there. Again, I mean, I can't think of a better person to go after than a seventh round pick. Uh, defensive back who was working in Wendy's a few years ago yet he steps in and makes the play and really that that ball should have been thrown away it was it was supposed to be a back shoulder throw it just wasn't exactly where it needed to be he stepped in he made the play and he took it the distance and um you know that's the fine line for your playoff teams most of the time I I think I remember this from from Vermeil most of the time playoff teams playing other playoff teams it's 50-50. To get to the playoffs, basically what you have to do is you have to make sure and beat those teams that are not making the playoffs or those teams that have a a low winning percentage, and and you can't slip up against those and know that it's going to go either way. Because that game was three or four plays, and it could have gone either way. And, I mean, you can make the case, and maybe it is in some power rankings, that those are the two best teams in the NFL. I mean, it was one of those games. It was a playoff atmosphere at at, uh, at uh, Arrowhead. and Yeah. Uh, it was just, it was a fun thing. This is a fun era to be a part of Chiefs Kingdom, no doubt. Yeah. When you look at the AFC, the Chargers are up there. Obviously, the Buffalo Bills are up there as well. Yeah. And a lot of the power rankings, I mean, those are three of the better teams. Um, I do think it has been kind of surprising. This has been, you know, narratives that have started to be discussed. And we put out there that, you know, the AFC West was going to be the best division in football. And I haven't really seen that from the Broncos. Now, I fully expect no. them to turn around a little bit. Um, although the things that are concerning about the Broncos, uh, like coaching decisions, uh, which Brennan yeah. Staley during his young coaching career has been criticized for as well, which was one of those storylines coming out of the, the, the game on last Thursday was that he had been so aggressive every other time that they had played. It felt like he overcorrected and was right. a lot more conservative than when you expected. And then it didn't work out. So I think mentally he might be in a blender a little bit about what to do in some of right. those decisions as far as going, being aggressive or not. Uh, which obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. You make the right decisions. Uh, it's great. And if not, you know, not. I liken that to, you know, Coach Reed's red zone play, creative play calling. When it works, everyone calls him a genius. And when it doesn't, exactly. they say he's getting too cute. Uh, and he shouldn't yeah. do that kind of stuff. So, um, Kendall, before we let you go, and you, you mentioned Jalen Watson and the Wendy's story, and I know a lot of people have talked about it. A lot of people have written about that. Um, I'm going to give you a platform, and I'm putting you on the spot here so anybody listening knows that Kendall was not given this ahead of time. Uh, so I might... I'll make the question very long to give you time to think about it, but you played for a long time. You're around a lot of guys with, I'm sure a lot of great stories. Um, A story kind of, I'm not necessarily just like that, but is is there anybody that you played with or played against who had a story that you think should be a movie? And the reason I ask that is nowadays with media being and everybody being so open and everybody's stories being out there and a lot of, 
in self-branding and, you know, getting your story out there kind of brands you as a player and makes you more attractive for, you know, marketing opportunities. And it's just, there's a lot more incentive to get your story out there than there was even 15, 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. we kind of know a lot, almost everything more than we need to know about players today um, and their personal lives and things like that. Is there anybody that you played with that had a story that was like, man, that is crazy. And now looking back saying if that guy had a movie made about him, it would not be altogether that surprising to me. Is there anybody that, well, that jumps out to you? You know, I started to go with Kevin Green. He's in Pro Football Hall of Fame, passed away a couple of years ago, my teammate with the Steelers. And then one just came to me, and that's Carlton Hasselrig. Do you know that name? <clears throat> I do not. Okay, so Carlton Hasselrig, uh, he wrestled at, at Pittsburgh Johnstown. Um, he was a four-time national champion in Division Two. And at, back at the time, they allowed them to go wrestle Division One also. And I think he was a two-time national champion at Division One as well. He almost made the Olympics, never played football. He got drafted in the 12th round, I believe, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was on the practice squad a year, and then he was a backup a year. And then he started his third year, which was my rookie year with the Steelers. Uh, and either that year or the next year, he made the Pro Bowl. And now as a wrestler, understanding uh, center of gravity and balance and everything, he would make people look silly. And he was freaky strong. It was unreal. He was he was a good probably 300, 295, uh, ran like a deer, strong as an ox. Um, quite honestly, he was a little bit out there. And, um, you know, I always say this, the NFL is a violent game and violent people don't come from uh, Beverly Hills. They come from violent places and have bad situations. And I think he had kind of a bad situation. Uh, But I think that would be a good story because of all that. But then you take into account, unfortunately, that he got hurt. And that's the worst thing that uh, guys, that's the the biggest problem that guys have in the NFLs when they get hurt and they don't know what to do with with their time. And it's not portioned like it was. Um, And he got into some troubles and and even, I, I think he passed away here uh, three or four years ago, uh, I'd heard stories uh, about him being a little bit, bit off, you know, driving his motorcycle all around through through places he shouldn't and stuff like that. It'd be, it'd be an inspiring story and probably a sad story to, uh, uh, as well. But that's certainly one that, that comes to mind. Justin Strelzik, who uh, had the CTE and, and he was part of the story, the, the concussion uh, in there. Uh, he was a teammate of mine. That would be one. And of course, Kevin Green, as I mentioned. But uh yeah, that's probably the first one, Carlton. That was probably more than you were looking for, but that's one no, that most that's, people don't know about. And I didn't even think about it until I asked the question because I was thinking about somebody also that you know Chiefs fans might know, and he's he's on our network here at KC Sports. He's a co-host of The Breakdown with Matt Hamilton, who's a producer for Good Morning Football, and that's Matt Castle. And yeah. I know Chiefs fans, you know, it didn't have a lot of success when Castle was here. There was a lot of drama, a lot of things going on. Uh, and everyone I had talked to in the organization, and I, I'd say this before, uh, Matt joined us. He's been awesome to work with. Uh, but everybody in that organization would say nothing bad about Matt Castle. He was just kind of the guy yeah. that had to deal with the tornado and all the stuff going around him uh, mm-hmm. in the organization at the time. But for him to barely play at USC, play quarterback, right. sitting behind Carson Palmer, behind yeah. Matt Leinart, you know, his lone collegiate start was at H-back, played a little tight end, played like special yeah. teams on the hands team. For that guy to make a Pro Bowl in the NFL at quarterback and throw for 17,000 yards in his career after throwing for 192 yards in college. Yep. At that position, at that position Mm -hmm. is absolutely crazy. And I know 
Chiefs fans can feel the way they do about the success the team did or didn't have when he was here. But right. from a from somebody that just put yourselves in the shoes of somebody that grew up watching him play in high school, go to USC, not play a lot, get drafted in the seventh round, and get that opportunity when Bernard Pollard uh, took out Tom Brady's knee that year. And then Castle got a shot, yeah. made a Pro Bowl, and then got paid, uh, and then bounced around as backup on some different teams. And now helps us break down film and does a show. Uh, Casey Sports Network's always watching the Chiefs, but it's another one, man. That's just those yeah. are the stories that are really, really cool to me. Well, and I, I think one, and I don't want to take us too long, but if yeah. you talk about a coach, you know, Cow, uh, Bill Cower, who was a former defensive coordinator here, just went into the Hall of Fame this last year or the last couple of years. <clears throat> um, my coach with Pittsburgh, the first uh, four years of my career, I think he was the youngest head coach at the time at 30, 34, but, you know, came out of North Carolina State. He was a special teams player with Cleveland. He's, he stuck there three or four years, but really only played special teams. And then right after that, went it right in as a special teams coach with Marty Schottenheimer with Cleveland, which was really bucking the trend a little bit for him to do what he did and get to where he was and get the Super Bowl and get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, you know, I think that's an amazing story. And, and, and I bet there's a boatload of stories like that. Yeah, I should guys become the best in the world at what they do. There's going to be a story there. And to your point, most of them, it wasn't because they had everything handed to them. It wasn't because the path was easy. It was in fact, because it wasn't, uh, yeah. that they kind of weeded out, um, the guys exactly. who really, really wanted it. And, you know, yep. one of those lines that we always use around the draft is, you know, does this guy like football or does he like what football can do for him? Right. You know, and is that guy, does, does he like football or does he like the fact that he's just really good at football right now when he's the biggest <laughs> and the baddest, you know, where he's been. So um, we'll get more of those stories, man. We'll definitely have you on another one of these episodes. Always enjoy talking to you and enjoy Love. everybody out there for listening to this episode. Um, you can catch the rest of our content at KC sports network as the chiefs get ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts. On Sunday, it's the Colts home opener as they tied week one against the Texans and then got blanked uh, 24 nothing to by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So a little different opponent for the Chiefs. But Kendall, I think you actually may have been the one to tell me this as we'll use this to take us home. But um, somebody told me never underestimate an embarrassed professional athlete. Do not back an NFL team. Yeah, don't don't back a wounded animal into the corner. Uh, they come out fighting, and uh, that's something that most people really pay attention to in the NFL. Any given Sunday is true. These are prideful guys uh, in that defensive yes. line, and and we know Chris Ballard's going to fill a team full of guys up front that can get after it. So should be a good one, uh, despite everything else that's going on. But Chiefs go out and play well. Expect them to win on Sunday. And again, we'll have more content for you here at KC Sports Network. For myself, BJ Kissel, and Kendall Gammon, we appreciate you for listening to this episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff.